my friend. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, sorry, I'm so excited. I'm humble. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit, and but it's a quieter week here, and I get to sit down and record some things. So let's chat. Let's chat about um, yeah, what what walking in God's ways means. My uh, my son actually came to me yesterday because we're we as a family are studying the Torah together and learning that God's laws are still important to him he gave them to us as a way to live and a way to live in goodness and godliness and righteousness and so what what might that mean anyway so my son comes to me and in Bible class it talks about he he mentioned that they talked about, you know, that it's important to follow God's commands and to walk in his ways. And I, I know that as a longtime Christian, I've heard those exact things too. We've studied the Ten Commandments. I know that that's important. We've studied the different things that, you know, might represent goodness and godliness. However, the missing piece of the puzzle is, is what, like, what is that? Again, I, I say, if the law is written on our heart, what law? Because there's parts of the law that we're told are done away with, but then there's other parts that are not, like tithing. That's not in the New Testament, so why, why do we follow it then if there's other Old Testament law stuff that is done away with? Where is the consistency? Because it seems to me there's a lot of gray area and a lot of confusion. And let me preface this with a disclaimer that I am no authority on the subject. This is just something that I'm learning and I want to share with you some some of the more practical things that we are doing as a family to learn the Torah, to learn God's ways and how to walk in them because clearly they're important to him. So what does that look like? What does that mean? God is not the author of confusion and it, he makes it very clear. He, he gives us these things in his word, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible on the way in which we should go. Um, so let me just kind of pull apart in Colossians. Oh, I lost my page. Um, but in Colossians is kind of where I think that we have, I guess, misconstrued it to teach that there's certain things of the law that are done away with. Specifically, some of the things that we're told are no longer important are... Um, the Sabbath, so the seventh day rest, and the feast days, and also dietary laws. Those those are kind of the big key things that we're told are no longer important. Um, so let me unpack where I think some of that might be coming from, and I'll read you specifically the verse. So it's in Colossians 2, verse 6, chapter, sorry, Colossians 2, verse 16. So, don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating and drinking or in regards to a Jewish festival or Shabbat. Okay, so you read that and you quote it and you're like, see, it means that we don't have to do these things. We 
don't have to let anybody pass judgment on us for not doing them, right? Well, that's that's what we've learned, but let's look at the rest of Colossians because we're not supposed to cherry pick verses. So let's look at the rest of it and try to get this in context instead of just what what it seems. Because I'll read that and I'll think, okay, so it's not important. We nobody can pass judgment on us for eating and drinking or with Jewish festivals or Shabbats. Okay, so let's go back a little bit, rewind, and realize that Paul is talking to Gentiles who are living in um, a pagan climate. So he's talking about to new Christian Gentiles who are coming to learn the Torah and the Jewish ways and are coming to learn these things, but they still are living in a pagan culture. Sounds a little bit like us, maybe. Um, Yeah, so let's read a little bit more. 2 verse 8. Watch out so that no one will take you captive by means of philosophy and empty deceit, following human tradition, which accords with the elemental spirits of the world, but is not in accord with the Messiah. And then you can talk some more about the stripping away and stuff, but then with that in context so don't let anyone pass judgment on you in connection with eating and drinking or in regard to jewish festival or shabbat these are a shadow of things that are coming but the body is of the messiah it's so it's not saying that these these are no longer important when it's saying that these are a shadow of things coming like when it talks about the shadow of things coming or it's done that in like the prophecies and stuff they're it's a shadow of things that are coming so like it's a good thing it's not done away with it's not a bad thing it's it's like a promise of something that is coming so they're just like a representation of the future and yeah so let's continue on um don't let anyone deny you the prize by insisting that you engage in self-mortification or angel worship So this is specifically talking about pagan things. Such people are always going on about some vision they had and they vainly puff themselves up by their worldly outlook. They fail to hold to the head from whom the whole body receiving the supply and being held together by its joints and ligaments grows as God makes it grow. If anyone along with the Messiah... If along with the Messiah you die to the elemental spirits of the world, then why, as if you still belong to the world, are you letting yourselves be bothered by its rules? Don't touch this, don't eat that, don't handle the other. Such prohibitions are concerned with things that are meant to perish by by being used, and they are based on man-made rules and teachings. They do do indeed have outward appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed religious observances, false humility, and asceticism. Sorry, I don't know that word. But they have no value at all in restraining people from indulging in their old nature. So Paul's talking to these Gentiles, and he's not telling them not to do the Jewish festivals or Shabbat. He's telling them in this pagan world not to be bothered by 
the man-made things, the man-made rules and teachings, the different practices, the angel worship, the the self-mortification, the different things that different religions around them would do. And he's telling them (laughs) to observe God's ways. Forget the man-made teachings, observe God's ways. So let's remember to take this in context. He is not saying that God's ways are done away with. Why would he say that? He upheld the Torah. He upheld God's laws. Why would he say, oh, don't worry about them now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're, you're Gentiles. You, you can just live how you want. That's not what he's saying. God gave us his laws and his commandments as good ways to live and so this let's unpack I guess a little bit further this idea that um, all of the commands are done away with because he just gave us two of them he gave us the love God and love others right just two no Jesus actually says that all of the commands of Moses and the prophets hang on those two things so that the Torah or the law of Moses or the law of God whatever you want to call it um, actually shows us how to follow God and how to love others that is the summary of the commands of God is to show us how to do those things it doesn't mean that we're only like we just do away with them and pick the way that we want to love God and others? No, because that's going to look so different for each person, right? Each person is going to perceive that differently. God has told us how he wants us to love him and how he wants us to love others. Specifically in the Ten Commandments, the first four are about loving God, and then the last six are about loving others. Um, Let's read 1 John. It talks about that too it talks about his commands um how he wants us this is his command that we're to trust the person and power of his son yeshua the messiah and to keep loving one another just as he commanded us those who obey his commands remain united in him and he with them um and then further in verse so it's first john five Everyone who believes that Yeshua is Messiah has God as his father, and everyone who loves a father loves his offspring too. Here's how we know that we love God's children. When we love God, we also do what he commands. For loving God means obeying his commands. Moreover, his commands are not burdensome because everything which has God as his father overcomes this world. And this is what victoriously overcomes the world, our trust. Who does overcome the world if not the person who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God? So, it talks about that. Like, when we follow his commands, that shows that we love God and we love other people. As you learn and hopefully um, can read the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible, gives us all of the laws that God gave directly to Moses on how to live, and they're all just meant to show us how to love God and love others, not by our own desires or by our own perceptions, but by God's. God created us. He created like He created who we are 
and our bodies and he knows what's best for us and he tells us in his commands and it's it's so beautiful and when we stop fighting them um, we come to realize that they are meant for our good and yeah he gave these (laughs) so we can live in his ways and they are good and they are for our good and yeah it's just it's it's good what can I say it's good so okay if his commands are good and his commands show us how we can love God God and love others then lots of people uh, will argue and say well we can't follow all 613 commands how is that possible that's too burdensome that's too much why even try um, they'll say things like well if if you break one you break them all so what's the point of trying really is that how we live life is well if I'm gonna fail I'm just not even gonna try no that's not how we're supposed to live life we try and we we try to study them we try to learn them and learn what we've been told not to obey and and then go from there and not all 613 are even applicable a lot of them are for um, ritual priest stuff Um, lots of them are about the temple which is not even in existence right now but we are the temple so we we can still read these things and try to figure out what that means for us Um, some of them are for men some of them are for women some of them are for slaves some of them are for farmers like not all of them are applicable so let's just kind of talk about some of the big ones so specifically the Ten Commandments Um, let's talk about the first couple because I feel like the first couple specifically we kind of overlook the details of so in Deuteronomy 5 it talks about them it also talks about them in Leviticus and Exodus I am Adonai your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you lived as slaves you are to have no other gods before me you are not to make yourselves a carved image of any kind of representation of anything in heaven or above or the earth beneath or in the water below or the shoreline you are not to bow down to them or serve them for i adonai your god am a jealous god punishing the children for the sins of their parents also to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me but displaying grace to the thousandth generation of those who love me and obey my commands so we idolize a lot of things um in our culture Um, people there's even American Idol um, but we also have lots of representations of things if you unpack that representation of anything in heaven or above or on the earth below or in the water beneath the shoreline Um, we have different tchotchkes we have different things so I guess for us we as a family have are going through our house room by room and and praying to god praying to yah is there anything in here that um that might be an idol that doesn't glorify you that doesn't please you is there anything in here that you that doesn't serve you and 
So in doing that, we've come across a couple different tchotchke type things. Like I had a rhinoceros statue that was actually an Indian idol. Um, so we got rid of that. And yeah, we don't we don't bow down to it, but we're not supposed to bring these things into our home, and they don't glorify God, even if they might just look pretty or. Well, God knows that I'm not worshiping it. But is that really enough? Like, God tells his people over and over again to destroy the idols, to destroy the different things. And, yeah, without without mercy, like, just destroy them. They don't, they're not for your good and they don't represent me. So, going through with a humble heart and what doesn't glorify you god for us too there's been christmas stuff that we've gotten rid of christmas trees um because those do represent pagan idol worship so even though we're not specifically doing it it still represents it and that's not something that we want in our home because that's not something we feel glorifies god um I'm not preaching this out of legalism. I'm not like we've been so fearful of legalism that it's taken us away from the law and what what God wants for us. And so let's come back to what God's told us and because he loves us. This is just for our good. And this is about loving him. So let's go a little bit further. You're not to misuse the name of Adonai your God because Adonai will not leave unpunished someone who misuses his name. Observe the day of Shabbat to set apart as holy as Adonai your God ordered you to do. You have six days to labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat for Adonai your God. On it you will not do any kind of work, not you, not your son or your daughter, nor any male or female slave, not your ox, your donkey, or any kind of other livestock and not the foreigner staying with you inside of the gates of your property so that your male and female servant can just rest as you do. You are to remember that you were a slave on the land of Egypt and Adonai your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, Adonai your God has ordered you to keep the day of Shabbat. So he's, he's told us to keep this as a day of rest and not to work. So over the years, a lot of extra man-made things were put in, and Jesus spoke out against that. Um, He spoke out quite a bit against the man-made additives to the Sabbath, the Shabbat, a day of rest. But here, clearly, God tells us how to do it, and it's simply to not do any kind of work and to not make anybody do any kind of work. So for us... We are learning this. It's been, um, there's been some speed bumps along the way for sure. But for us, we are trying to honor this. This is a day that God gave us to rest and he knows how we work and he knows how human bodies work. And um, if, if he rested on the seventh day, surely <laughs> we should be resting and not working seven days a week, um, even if it's just busy work. So we don't go out, we don't make other people work by going out, and we stay at home, we rest, we maybe play games together, we try to prepare a little bit in advance so that uh, the main tasks of cooking are done, because for me, um, I do most of the cooking in the house, and it is work for me. I try to stay away from my work, I work from home, so I try to stay away from doing specifically my job type work 
and and then we spend time together as a family learning and studying the Torah. Uh, usually it's a couple hours actually it's turned into. It's not been something that we've you know enforced but we just end up sitting around watching something um, and then studying together and it's quite beautiful. So that's actually so the Sabbath actually starts on Friday at sundown and goes Saturday till sundown and so that's what we are trying to do. It's not perfect yet at this point and so we thank God for grace through Yeshua his son but yeah um, and then it goes into the next six honor your father and mother do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not give false evidence against your neighbor or lie do not cover it to your neighbor neighbor's wife or house or anything else that belongs to your neighbor and then yeah so all of them so those are the big 10 all of the 613 kind of hinge on that um, and then those hinge on the loving God and loving your neighbor, right? So there, it's actually like a tier system, and it's it's pretty simple and pretty good. Um, so let's, I guess, I just want to encourage you to study those first five books of the Bible. Study what his commands actually are and what they aren't. Because we've been told that they're burdensome, we've been told that they're restrictive and legalistic, and that's just simply not true. When you explore it for yourself with the Holy Spirit, you realize that that they're not burdensome. Um, They're actually quite simple. Those are kind of the big ones. And then the festival days, the feast days, God gave us seven of them, and he told us that they would be uh, as an internal sign. And then just like I pulled up in Colossians, that they're a foreshadowing of things to come. It talks about even during the, the kingdom reign, we're going to be celebrating these feast days. So let's learn them. There's seven of them. They're good. They're through the year. There's three in spring, then Pentecost in summer, and then three in the fall. And they're, they're super prophetic, and they're wonderful, and they're rest days, and they're feast days, and they're amazing. They're not burdensome. They're fun and good. And... Um, yeah, so we've been told that those are done away with. And then we've also been told that dietary laws are done away with. Now, I get that this can be a touchy issue. However, I just want to suggest, again, that this is not talking about like kosher laws, um, like the extra added stuff that becomes very strategic and maybe becomes legalistic. This is just simply talking about God's dietary laws. And it's quite simple and it's quite short. He simply, and it's in Leviticus, he simply talks about what he considers food and what he considers not food. That's it. It's one chapter and he outlines specifically animals that he created to be food and animals that he did not create to be food. And where it gets a little sticky is the pork situation. But simply speaking, he did not, he doesn't consider pork to be food. (laughs) He can, like rats, like dogs and cats and horses, um, all of these things, he doesn't consider them to be food. So therefore we shouldn't, maybe, maybe we shouldn't consider them to be food either. He tells us what animals he does consider to be food. 
and the list is good and it's pretty simple so I'd love to talk a little bit more and unpack some of um, the current Christian doctrine that we've been taught around the dietary laws but yeah we've been given every food every grain as food and sorry every grain every plant as food and then specifically certain animals he created to be food and certain animals he did not create to be food and that's the dietary stuff um even the new testament talks about you know not like to stay away from anything that's unclean so i feel like god gave us these laws he gave us a torah He told us to be imitators of Christ, and Christ followed all of these things. His disciples followed the Torah. Paul even says he he upholds the Torah. Like they, They followed these things. They studied them. They learned them. They went every Sabbath um, to, to go hear the Torah readings. Like this, this was a part of their culture, and it's been something that we've been told is done away with anything that resembles um, the Torah or Jewishness (laughs) we've been told it's done away with and unfortunately it's erroneous we are also warned that the Antichrist is also called the lawless one and someone that opposes the Torah We've been told the one that opposes the Torah. So if we are currently in a situation where we are being taught that the law of God, not the law of man, not the law of the sinful nature, but the law of God is done away with and that the Torah is no longer something we need to listen to, we need to be careful because that is exactly the description of the work of the Antichrist. So, tread lightly, (laughs) tread very carefully, my friend. This, um, yeah, we're in a day and an hour, and Yahweh is calling us back. He is calling his people back to his ways. We can look through the entire Bible and learn that his commands are true and good, and they are meant for our good. So let's learn them, let's study them. Let's learn what we've been told is done away with, but it's simply there's no reason. I can find no reason through the entire Bible why we would not rest on the seventh day and keep that day holy. Why we would not keep his feast days and his festivals. I can find no proof anywhere. So I challenge you to, if if this doesn't sit right with you, look this up. And then look up these ones like Colossians, like I talked about in Colossians, where we have been taught just that little snippet of verse, but look around the whole thing. Look around the the chapters, read it, unpack it, explore it. Ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it for you because if the laws are written on our heart by the Holy Spirit, then that means that even the Holy Spirit upholds the laws of God, right? <laughs> Anyways, I, uh, yeah, I just always hope that this comes across well, and um, yeah, be blessed, my friend.